0: blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message.
1: Today's scripture reading is Isaiah 25, 6-9, in the New International Version. On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from the earth. The Lord has spoken. In the day that they, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted him and he saved us this is the Lord we trusted in him let us be joyous and be glad in his salvation
2: don't be weary traveler come along Oh, be weary, trust.
0: Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Remember when we used to be able to go to museums? We're lucky in the Bay Area to have so many world-class museums to enjoy. These hallowed halls gather us to witness and experience the vision of creators of all eras and geographies. I've always thought of museums as holy spaces, these places that contain the quiet of transcendent expression. Our sanctuaries have this quiet too. It's a quiet with an energy containing the prayers, the hopes, and griefs tears, and joy of generations. And now in this time when we can't be in our sanctuaries, we're called to fill new spaces and new places with the energy of creativity, faith, and prayers. The college I went to was just a short distance from the Rothko Chapel. Maybe you have heard of this special place or visited it It's an amalgam of these two forces, the sanctuary and the museum. Inside this simple monolithic structure are the bottomless yet soaring paintings of Mark Rothko. I remember stumbling upon the Rothko Chapel one day, a 19-year-old young adult away from the trappings of my very denominational faith. Its nonchalant coolness just sitting in the midst of a residential neighborhood in Houston moved me deeply. This was the late 80s, and AIDS was ravaging the gay community of Houston. Often rejected from their own families of faith, gay men sought out the peace and presence in the Rothko Chapel. There are no religious symbols there, but it's no less a place of spirit. The huge canvases with muted tones beckon into a transformed eternity. These were men like Epworth's own Jeb Porter, for whom the eternal flame in Epworth's sanctuary burns. It burns for him and all who we have lost from AIDS. Today is All Saints Day. And so it's especially fitting to remember Jeb on this day Because on this day, we also remember the Epworth Saints we've lost in the last year. And one of these persons was Bill Porter, Jeb's kin, who we memorialized in the sanctuary just a few weeks before everything got shut down. Bill Porter was a campus minister at the Wesley Foundation related to the University of California at Berkeley at Cal. He welcomed each year a new group of diverse students looking for a faith that was big enough and courageous enough to hold all they were beginning to understand about the world. Epworth former pastor Ron Parker, who worked with Bill as a seminary student at the Wesley Foundation, said of Bill, Bill created a safe haven out of which to step into the scary realities of the world. All this grounded in a faith that offered <clears throat> both comfort and a challenge to be engaged in a changing world. Bill was just what we needed in Berkeley in the 60s. This was also uh, the year that we said goodbye to longtime member Joyce Kumau and longtime Epworth friend Mary Lee Tran Pleasure. Joyce was funny and feisty and a woman of prayer. She loved almond roca, and Mary Lee Tram pleasure delighted us with her expansive faith, energy, and love of life. This last week, a group of us were able to stand at graveside and celebrate the life of Epworth St. Charlie Larrago. The limits placed on us by COVID didn't allow a full gathering in the sanctuary, but the service on a hillside overlooking the bay with views of both bridges, was very sweet and full of presence. Charlie's service was officiated both by myself and the rabbi from the Jewish congregation Charlie was a part of in Berkeley. What a blessing to have traveled the way with these saints in life and now as we remember them as part of the saints of heaven. Today concludes our series on the way of the saints. And how fitting that we end this series where we've lifted up heroes of faith like St. Francis and Mary McLeod Bethune, courageous and trailblazing figures like Rigoberta Menchu and Sarah Crosby, to now conclude with our own saints Bill Porter, Joyce Kumau, Mary Lee Trampleasure, and Charlie Larigo. Saints of old and saints of today are all human beings made of dust and blessed alive by the breath of God, like us all." Theologian Frederick Buechner said this of saints, in God's holy flirtation with the world, God occasionally drops a pocket handkerchief. These handkerchiefs are called saints. Many people think of saints as plaster saints, Men and women of such paralyzing virtue that they never thought a nasty thought or did an evil deed their whole lives long. As far as I know, Beekner says, real saints never even come close to characterizing themselves this way. On the contrary, no less a saint than St. Paul wrote to Timothy, I am foremost among sinners. And Jesus himself, prayed God to forgive him his trespasses. And when the rich young man in the scripture that we began this series with addressed Jesus as good teacher, Jesus answered, no one is good but God alone. In other words, the feet of the saints are as much of clay as everybody else's, and their sainthood Their sainthood consists less of what they have done than of what God has for some reason chosen to do through them. When you consider that St. Mary Magdalene was possessed supposedly by seven devils, that St. Augustine prayed, give me chastity and continence, but not now. That St. Francis started out as a high living young guy in downtown Assisi, You figure that maybe there's nobody God can't use as a means of grace, including even ourselves. The Holy Spirit has been called the Lord, the giver of life. And drawing their power from that source, saints are essentially life givers. To be with them is to become more alive. Friends, as we head into the ninth month of dealing with this pandemic, and face a deeply fractured world, it is high time to sink deep into our faith. Our faith was made for times like these. Our ancestors in faith have been here before. Hear these words again from Isaiah through the translation of the message. And here on this mountain, God will banish the pall of doom hanging over all peoples the shadow of doom, darkening all nations. Yes, God will banish death forever. And God will wipe the tears from every face. God will remove every sign of disgrace from God's people wherever they are. Yes, God says so. Also at that time, people will say, people will say, look at what's happened. This is our God. We waited for God and God showed up and saved us. This God, the one we waited for. Let's celebrate, sing the joys of God's salvation. God's hand rests on this mountain. Faith is a muscle, my friends, and we are in a marathon. The more we exercise it, the more it grows. And not just in us, but in everyone who sees us striving and praying and showing up. We aren't perfect, but neither were the saints who now rest from their labors. Those who have gone before us have finished the race and now cheer us from that great cloud of witnesses. Can you feel them? Can you see them? Everyone who has shown us how to love more deeply to risk for what is right more courageously, who has helped us understand the healing balm of compassion. They live in us, they're with us. We tell their stories and they become maybe even larger in death than they were in life because of us, the body of Christ. This is the meaning of resurrection. I'm reminded of another time at a museum this time with my family at the De Young exhibit of Tutankhamun, King Tut, several years ago. Perhaps some of you saw this amazing exhibit. We were there along with thousands of others. The pharaohs believed in an afterlife even more amazing than their lives on earth, wherein they essentially became gods. Their elaborate mummification rituals, burial chambers, and included riches, would be necessary in the next life. And while we may consider this belief merely interesting and historical, it seems to me that the pharaohs were right. Their faces were seen and their stories were read by hundreds of thousands as these exhibits traveled the world and people lined up around blocks to get in. When we carry the story of a person, when we remember, we impart eternal life. The beauty of the life of a Christian is that we don't need to be a pharaoh or a king or receive canonization by the Catholic Church as a saint to be remembered by our community of faith. We just need to be active, to show up, to know others and let Ourselves be known in all of our complexity, all of our brilliance, all of our frailty, all of our belovedness. This is the way of commitment. This is the way of the saints. Our communities hold who we are in life and in death by knowing us well enough to know our stories, to hear our stories, and sometimes even to add their own mythologies to what we have done and been. We live on because we have been known. With our fellow travelers, sinners and saints, all, we walk the way of poverty like Francis, the way of authority like Mary McLeod Bethune, the way of courage like Rigoberta Minshew, and the way of necessity like Sarah Crosby. This is the way of the saints. This is our way. What a blessing. Have a great week.